Wonderful thing, or it could be your worst nightmare. Right, right. You know, so be a bitter mistress. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'd like to welcome everybody. Uh, this is actually episode number thirty of the Cedar Rapids Music Scene Podcast. I'm Mike Schulte, your host from the Pork Tornadoes. We got co-host AJ Vens of Wolf Den Wears with us, and we got a very special guest today. Uh, Kevin BF Burt is our man today, man yes. of the hour. How you been, bud? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Trying to keep myself in the right kind of trouble. Kevin, I have a surprise for you. So um, I've told you this many a time. Uh, I told you that I met you in like the year 2000 that you played a graduation party of someone that I graduated high school with Okay, and that I went up there being a drummer and I said hey man can I play that tambourine with you and we played a song together <laughs> and I know you don't remember it I know you tell it every time but I actually found the picture uh, oh. that I wanted to show you from 2000 me and you uh, playing at uh, I think it was um, Seth Anderson's the Anderson's graduation party oh, yeah. off of uh, First Ave. Yeah, over by the mosque right there. Yeah, and that's me and you. I'm oh wearing I'm wearing uh, really baggy jeans, probably some Airwalk shoes. I have a Dope. dumb like Ireland like stocking hat on that my grandma made, and it was like a hundred <laughs> degrees out or something like that. But uh, just rocking away. I just wanted to play some tambourine with my man on the guitar over there. So that's, that's check this so out. Awesome, I'll have to post that in the group. Oh my gosh, man, that's <laughs> amazing. Like me, no, it doesn't. That's a different person. <laughs> that's awesome that's like one of maybe four shows that i ever played with that guitar was it really yeah so yeah you're looking at it going man i remember that guitar it looks like you got your yeah you got your i gave it to my daughter she, yeah. she's the one who plays it now yeah. it's, the, it's the prettiest guitar i've ever seen in my life yeah and so i made arrangements to acquire it i always say that because I, sometimes i did like private events for folks to to acquire some of my equipment because <laughs> back in the day it was hard to save money you know as a i was a full-time musician with wife and a kid you know at that time yep that and 2000 so, yeah, yeah. You were, you, you've been playing for a long time though right i mean you've been playing i've been i, I started in 91 when i got cut from a canadian football team that's, that's seriously yeah i was well i'll, yeah, I'll start, rewind start, you man. Know the whole story man um my junior year of college i uh, received. I, I went to a small college in South Dakota, Huron University. It's a little school, and I'd received preseason All American accolades. I played center and nose guard. Wow! In college, and so I ended up being all conference and all district on both sides of the ball. By the time it was all said and done, but but I was getting a lot of accolades at a, at the center position, and so I got this pre this preseason All American honor, and uh, I started getting letters from like NFL teams. 
like congratulations. Yeah. You know, we'll be keeping an eye on you. Blah blah blah. We know like, your name. Yeah, and I'm like, this is cool as this is cool as hell. You know, <laughs> the third, fourth play of my true senior year, uh, I dislocated my knee. Wow. Uh, I was on a quarterback's knee. We got the first down. <laughs> you know, priorities. Right. Um, but getting off, getting up off the pile, somebody tried to hit somebody. Somebody from my own team tried to hit somebody like right before the right, whistle blew. Right. They got sidestepped and they just hit Ooh. me square right in the knee. Did and you just, know right away? Oh, Adrenaline's it, still flowing, but you, it you took felt it. it. I grabbed a dude by the back of his shoulder pad. I can see it like it was <laughs> like, and I straightened up my leg. I popped my knee back into place and I threw my teammate <laughs> From the nape of his neck, he, I'm sorry, him, man. he landed. He landed on his back. He he hit me, and I threw him to the point where he landed flat on his back. I mean, standing straight up. It was an adrenaline rush thing, but I was. Oh yeah, I, I was kind of a monster back in them days, man. And uh, did you did you were you out the rest of that game then? The rest, rest of, the of the season, yeah. And I'm at a little school, so there's no rehab. So all of oh. the all of the so I got, they gave me a, a medical red shirt, and I got to come back for another year, um, but. I wasn't the same player, but I still had my flexibility. I was still a good, you know, blocker. I was still a good rusher. I just didn't have the explosion that I had, you know, because I had I yeah, running I mean, on maybe one and a half wheels, you know. A little bit too that it's maybe going to well, happen again. They, they gave me a cool brace, man. I got a, I, I, I call it my bionic knee, man, and I, I love it, man. I still have it. Now every once in a while, I will put it on Pop and I'm, it on, I'll, walk around I'll make, make 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 uh, robot sounds. <laughs> 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 you know, so, and so then, so then after got, that, you just they were just saying, nah. I wasn't know. hearing anything from NFL, but there's this guy that went to my college way back in the day named Garney Henley. Garney Henley was the last person to be an All American and then All Conference and All District on both sides of the ball. Wow. Garney is a talent scout for the team that he ended up playing for, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh, yeah? So he reached out to the school, to the college, to my coach, and coach gave him full access, and they sent their scout down. I met Mr. Henley, and everybody's looking at me. They're like, hey, you're not even six feet tall. I'm like, well, yeah, I sent y'all that. It's like, man, you're about two, what, 260, 270? I was like, about 275. It's like... You know, we're either going to have to thin you down to play linebacker or beef you up to play. Oh, you just weren't meeting their specs and standards, well, I, right? I, mean, I was just like, listen, man, just let's just do the measurements. Well, so we did the measurements, and, and the ones that matter, strength test. You know, I, I did what they did to the point where the guy was standing there with his <laughs> eyebrows raised up. You know, um, speed, I was 275 pounds, and I ran a 4940. Damn. Um I, I, my flexibility was my thing. I could also long snap. I was our long wow. snapper as yeah. well. Usually offensive linemen. So you had the tools. You just didn't yeah. have like their, their size that they so, wanted. Well, they weren't sure. So they marketed me to the Hamilton Tiger Cats as a Swiss Army lineman. Okay. This one guy that can play every position. Yeah. Offensive and defensive and long snap. Because that's unheard of. We need a Still sub. Player, Boom. Yeah. yeah. We need what a sub. Need? Go ahead. Defensive line. Boom. We need to, you know, yeah. And... You know, and I had stats that backed it up. Right. You know, that wasn't just, uh, it's a novelty thing. It's like, no, this guy can play every position that we wanted, that we might stick him at. So, did you actually go play for him? Well, I went and did the tryout, and, uh, you know, I made the guy, the scout, give him all my measurements exact, because I was like, I just don't want to be get up get up there and then look at me and go, well, you're too short. I don't <laughs> yeah, want yeah. that. I, that's, a long, that's a long trip to be told you're too short. Right. Yeah, I don't 
So I get up there and go through camp. We do all of these drills. And, I, you know, they're just like, man, everything. The only thing I didn't do well on was the standing broad jump. That's the explosion. And yeah, 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 of course. Um, but they were just like... At the end of it, it was just like, you're too short. <laughs> so, so, okay, I'm too short, but I did everything else great. So I got a couple opportunities to to uh, go into camps, the NFL. Right. Um, I tried out as a long snapper with the, uh, uh, the Detroit Lions. Um, tried out as a as – uh, had a couple of different positions with the Chicago Bears. And – you know, they they got folks that they spend a lot of money on. Right. So I, I I got offered opportunities to be on what they call a meat squad. Yeah. You know. Saying that. Yeah. You know, it's not not much money, not no hope of ever being, you know, making it into the game, but you get beat up. So is your so are you going from <laughs> like you're telling me you got you got NFL people writing you. You're yeah. going from thinking I'm gonna be in the NFL to all of a sudden like that one injury is just like mm. Well, that's the that's the one thing about Sports, man, especially football. It's like you don't most most people don't get the opportunity to choose when they're done with it. It's true. The game chooses when it's done right. with you, and that's a thing that people don't understand. And that's you know it messes with people's heads sometimes. You know, and the same kind of thing I suppose goes with any other sport. But you know, you can always find a pickup game of basketball. Yeah, right. You can always call a few buddies and show up, make a team, playing softball at yeah, least. Yeah, right, right. You know, very few people play pickup football games. No, you know, no. you can't, there's not a casual, casual football game going on anywhere. No, you know? no, not so, at all. Like football, when you, when it's done with you, it's done. You're you're done. So so you're going from that now. Are, are you sitting at this point wondering um, what am I going to do now? I mean, I put I I moved to Iowa City. Um, I put out seven applications for jobs. I got offered five jobs. What so, kind of jobs? Just bar uh, bar back, right? Just whatever. Because um, you're you're like college dishwasher. Age yeah, you know, you're mid twenties dishwasher, and then a couple. Of, I'm working at a youth shelter. Yeah, uh, as a counselor, and then uh, uh, working as a an assistant with a job coach for folks with disabilities, and then the other job was a maintenance person. You know, yeah. just a, a janitor. Kind of thing, and so I took all five jobs. Just said whatever, and just, yeah, and decided it. not to go into grad school. I was thinking about grad school, and I was just like, nah, if I'm awake, I might as well get paid for yeah. it. So I took all five jobs, and I fixed the schedules in such ways so that nothing ever conflicted. You could just go from job yeah. to job, and yeah, and there were there were a handful of twenty hour days, but I was young. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, so, totally. I, I agree. Back in the day, I mean, yeah. whatever. Sleep was nothing. Get yeah. four or five hours of sleep, you're fine. The next you know, day, and I always I always ended my day, you know, working in a bar where it was cute chicks yep. you know <laughs> and in my head so I'm like I'm living the dream this you is know? the best day ever yeah and um, one day I'm at one of my jobs and I was singing in my office along with some Luther Vandross and uh, <laughs> my boss sticks a head in my, my office and is like boy you are, singing are you, is that you singing <laughs> yeah damn you can sing I'm like ah whatever yeah, yeah, because you, you had no, you had, didn't was, play music, you didn't have a thought about music in your head at that point in your life. No, just I was just depressed because <laughs> football was, was done be with in me. the NFL, yeah, no yeah, and and so it uh, turned into. You didn't into take a, him serious at that point, though. No, you're thinking whatever. No, I'm yeah, I'm like, whatever. She's like, no, my son's putting together a blues band, and uh, they they look for somebody to sing. They got somebody. He's doing okay, but you know, you know, you would you would be something special. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I've, I've already heard this from the so, NFL here, and this is not yeah, working. So, so, so I, I, 
you know, let it go. A couple weeks later, she says, hey, you know, she was mentioning it, but she, she, so a couple weeks later, she's like, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And I'm like, I got no plans. She's like, well, come over. You know, okay. have dinner with the family and that family flame. They, the family's friends of mine. Yeah. So I get over there and I walk in. She's like, "Well, there ain't no dinner, but they have a rehearsal downstairs. <laughs> you might as well. You might as well audition." <laughs> <laughs> so I go downstairs. They they hand me a piece of paper and it's got the lyrics to the song "Down Home Blues." Well, I'd heard this song before growing growing up. Who wrote, who wrote that song? Uh, ZZ Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm I'm I, I'm down there and it's. Eric Madison, Matt Ponick, uh, um, I want to say Ed English was on bass. Uh, There's a kid named Jeff Daniels that was on keyboard. And this was like all of their like first rehearsal yeah. pretty much. And uh, Dan, Dan Laughlin was playing harmonica with them. You didn't know any of these guys at the time, though? I knew Eric Madison. <laughs> I knew Eric. Yeah, he was my was boss. It. He was my boss's son. Yeah. So I knew Eric. And so they, they start playing. So I start singing it. I get done singing and I look around the room and everybody's eyes are just big and they're kind of looking around at <laughs> was each that other. Good or bad? <laughs> and I'm like, I took it as, uh, how are we going to break this to him? Say something. So I set the paper down. I said, hey, y'all, thanks, man. And I started to walk out and they're like, wait, 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 wait. Where are you and going? And they handed me this notebook that was about an inch and a half, two inches thick. It was just songs. They said, this, this is what we're working on. You're like, okay. So, like, all right. And I started thumbing through it, and they were all songs that I'd heard growing up. My father ran a, uh, what I like to call a unlicensed gambling establishment oh, in yeah? our basement <laughs> growing up when I was really young before before he moved out. And, uh, and uh, it was... So it was. There's it, always music on yeah, while they're doing it. And, yeah, it was just. It was, there, was, there were a lot of songs that I was familiar with. Did did you did you like did you like music at the time? I mean, you probably oh, yeah. listened to it as a as just a. I like music. These are my artists. I like well, these songs. Unbeknownst to me, um, driving back and forth to Huron, South Dakota, is a. It's a seven. It's a, it's exactly seven hours from my home in Waterloo, Iowa, where okay. I grew up. My buddy and I, I went to school with about four dudes from Waterloo. And so none of us owned a car. Right. But we would borrow somebody's car and drive home every every weekend. Jesus. Just about. And if we left at midnight, we'd get to school on Monday. If we left at midnight, on Sunday, yeah, midnight, yeah. we'd get back to school Monday morning at 7 a.m. just in time for food service to open right before our 8 a.m. class. <laughs> okay. All right. Jesus. All right. so Again, we, being we young it, and not needing sleep. We called right? it Night Miles. I would swallow a, an entire packet of nose do, no-dos <laughs> and, and have, have, you know, three or four cups of coffee and <laughs> Luther Vandross. Just, yep. Pop them on. You know, um, Al Green, Teddy Pendergrass, mm-hmm. old school, you know, music. And this was the stuff that I, you know, yeah. I knew all the words to grow up and I'm singing it. Unbeknownst to me, singing for seven hours straight, seven hours straight every weekend was me training for myself. those gigs, right? Yeah. I, I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. but it's what happened. You know, that's that's all I can attribute because I didn't plan to have a strong voice. 
You know, I, I wasn't working toward that. Yeah, it wasn't a goal. Yeah. It was just, this is fun. Yeah. I'm driving. I got to pass driving, the time. I'm singing, you know. And I'm singing, you know, to, like I said, it's timeless music. So you join you join these guys. Yeah. You join this the, group. And they call it, the, they end up naming the group the Blues Instigators. Okay. And yeah. so the Blues Instigators was the first band. I, and I'd never seen a live song, live show. Yeah, yeah. And so a couple weeks into it, I made this, this confession to the guitarist, Matt Ponick. And he goes, what? I go, yeah, man, I've, I've never been to a concert. I've never seen live music <laughs> happen. joking, right? <laughs> he, goes, he was looking around and goes, dude, next weekend. I'm like, huh? It was next weekend. Yeah, we're going to go watch. We went to Chicago and watched like one of the last like Grateful Dead concerts. Are you serious? Yeah. So the first concert I went to was a Grateful Dead. What? Yeah, in, in Soldier Field. Was that, a, was that a mind-blowing experience to know that this is happening? And- yeah. That yeah, many people well, gave a shit about it. And- <laughs> it was the, it was it was the the one time in my life. I'm 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 kind of a I'm kind of a boy scout when it comes to everything. I I, I drink, but I really messed with anything else, you know. And, I, and inside, of the, inside yeah. of the music world, inside of the music world, you get the opportunity to be exposed to just about any opportunities yes. that you anything might. Anything you want, oh, yeah. yeah. And on a re- pretty regular basis, and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not that guy, um, but. Again, young, and I'm like, you know what? This is a new experience. Let's experience it. You don't go to the Grateful Dead and not experience it. So I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to do whatever you do, man. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah. I goes, think so. I'm like, yeah. I was like, okay. And so, yeah, we made some, we made some, uh, some some organic decisions. Yes, yes, we'll yes. Say. I see what you're saying. <laughs> and uh, and. Yeah, it was it was it was cool. I mean, I don't ever have to do it again, but I no. did. You know, but so seeing seeing your first live concert does that all of a sudden inspire you to say I want to do that? That looks like a lot of fun. I want to be on stage. I want to be a musician. <laughs> are you still are you still thinking this is just fun? This is just a another job for you at this point. Nah, right? Well, it was it, it was like this cool paid hobby. Well, it wasn't a paid hobby yet. We played we played I don't know maybe three or four months before we did a gig that we actually got paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it wasn't like we got paid. Paid. We made like eight bucks a piece. Yeah, and, made and a like, few drinks. And- yeah, and like like four four cans short of a twelve pack. You know, <laughs> and that's what we got paid for doing this Halloween party. And then, uh, you know, it just it, it started happening yeah. more and more from there. We got into this thing called the Iowa Blues Challenge. We won the first time Iowa. Participated in the Iowa Blues Challenge. Really, we, we represented the state of Iowa at the at that time, just the National Blues Challenge. Wow. down in Memphis, and we got put out in the first round, which was cool because you know we, you know, yeah, young you did you did, shouldn't be winning down, that award, went right? down. Yeah, we went down there just doing what we always do. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. The uh, the the instruction said you know original music. And so we took all that to heart, and we just put together this this string of original songs, and and it was just music, but it wasn't like anybody else played all day long. It was nothing like anybody else did. Yeah. And so we weirded people out. Yeah. We, it wasn't know, what they expected. Yeah. There were a couple folks there that were just like, you guys are really good. <laughs> and it opened the doors for a couple of different opportunities, but I didn't realize how how powerful that space was mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah. I didn't I didn't get that part. No. That was just another thing, right? Yeah, it was just a thing to do. Yeah. So 
yeah, we get, you know, I, we get through that. My, uh, get past that point, and uh, the instigators start to uh, start to become a little bit more in my world. And so I go from five jobs in the instigators to four. Yep, three, of course. Yeah, two, one. Playing more shows. In in that time frame, I met the lady who eventually became my wife. Yep. Um, she now be celebrating twenty five years this nice. year. Congrats, man! Yeah. And uh, she was pregnant with our first child, and I, I decided I was going to go full time with music. And fellas were just like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, full time. Yeah. yeah, they figured I'd get started. I figured out how tough it was, and and then go back to my day job, and just do like we yeah. always did, music just mostly for fun. on the weekends. Yeah, and it didn't take me too long. I had us booked in about a four hour radius, six nights a week. Wow. You know, and we had a decent reputation yeah. outside the area because of being a part of that blues challenge. And then I started doing, getting into the folk life yep. uh, into things uh, as well. And it just was creating a lot of opportunities. Um, one time, one night when we were driving home from Chicago, uh, fellas looked at me and was just like, man, we can't keep doing this. We, we got still got day jobs. It was a Thursday night gig yeah. in Chicago. And they got to go back to work right. the next day. Yep. So I'm driving us back. They're like, hey. So the next day I'm, I wake up and I, I, we'd open for this guy named Long John Hunter. There's a guy named Lonnie Brooks who grew up. Lonnie Brooks is one of those demigods of, of oh, yeah. blues. You know, he's, you know, if you love the blues, he's a god. If you are one of those fringe folks, he's a demigod. He's one of those that's just, you know, he, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I heard of him, but... Never met him. Yeah. Well, we'd done... A lot of the opportunities we had were based on connections that we had made with the Brooks family. And so this particular opportunity, um, I'm in the green room at, at Buddy Guy's Legends, and, and Mr. Hunter's in there, and in walks Lonnie Brooks. And he looks at me and goes, boy, what you doing here? I said, <laughs> getting ready to open for Mr. Hunter. He goes, you pick up a guitar yet? And he'd been telling me to pick up a guitar And you years. hadn't played guitar at this point. You're just standing there no, singing. Just just singing. Oh, wow. And uh, he goes, hey, Long John, tell this boy how you got started playing guitar. Mr. Hunter looks at me and goes, yeah, I was at the juke joint back down in Louisiana. I had taken my girl out, out and, and I looked at her, looking at that man playing the guitar on the stage, and I said to myself, I could do that. My girl falling out over that dude. So the next day I went and bought a guitar, and the next week I was up on that stage. It was me playing that guitar. I was like, that's a cool story. Not going to happen cool for story. me. <laughs> that's a cool story. Cool story, bro. <laughs> the, the band quits essentially on the way home from your, Chicago your band does yeah. instigators my band point. quits yep. at the end on the way back just says it can't keep doing it so the next day I didn't want to talk to my wife about it the next day I got up got out the house and I'm sitting in a little little bar a little place used to be called Baldy's now it's called Shorts oh dude downtown. Baldy's was great yeah and so I'm sitting in there and the owner of the place uh, was walking by, and I said, hey, man, you ever do live music in here? And he said, ah, we're too small for a band. I was like, what about a solo act? He goes, you do a solo act? I was like, I'm thinking about it. And he goes, when do you want to do it? Yeah, when? I'm like, you tell me. He goes, how about next Friday? I'm like, okay. So I finished my drink. I got up. I went to the Guitar Foundation. Are you serious? <laughs> I went to the Guitar Foundation. <laughs> 
you know, they they had well, they had this this Dan Electro convertible, <laughs> and I don't know, they're, they're like a, they're made out of like countertop masonite. Yeah, they're hollow. They have lipstick pickup in them. Every true guitarist can't stand them. Oh yeah, can't stand them. They're shit guitars, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I walked in. It had been hanging there the whole time. I, I, every, I used to walk into the guitar oh, of course, yeah. all the time. Like you know what you're talking stuff. about. Yeah, yeah. But this had dust on it. I mean, quarter inch thick. <laughs> no one has picked this guitar up. It's not up. been touched. And so I walk in, I point at it, I said, how much for that? And he goes, oh, I got to look at my records. I was like, uh-uh. How much for it? He goes, well, I got to get out of it what I got into it. I was like, nope. Ain't nobody touched that guitar <laughs> Nobody touched years. it. He's, I was like, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $100 for it. He goes, no, nah, I got more into it than that. I was like, I'll tell you what. They had a little, <laughs> it was a Yorkville amplifier. And I said, I need four harmonicas. Um, I don't know what keys that I'll be doing stuff in. And I need one of those clamp things on the guitar. He goes, oh, capo? I was like, yeah, I need one of those. Yeah, whatever that is, I need that. <laughs> I goes, that, that, that. You know, I need the cables. I need a mic line. I need all of that. It's like, I'll take this whole package of stuff for 150 bucks. <laughs> He's like, no. He looks at me, he goes, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. He goes, that. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> I, I walk I, you know yeah tell me what you can do with that <laughs> I was like this is what I'm offering you tell me what you can do he goes he goes you know he goes uh, the the best I can do is 225 I was like 125 <laughs> he went backwards he goes no you're supposed to come up I'm like dude <laughs> he goes he goes I'll tell you what 175 175 you take it you take it all walk out right now with it <laughs> I was like okay $175 I had everything I thought I needed so I go home I take it down to my basement and when my wife would go to sleep when my wife would go to sleep I'd go downstairs and I would you know I learned the lump you know and then a couple of songs that that you know I could play the chords sing and then play the chord and sing you know but everything hinged on me moving the capo to change keys and and I had some folks tell me which harmonica goes with what keys and so I you know I'd you know sit and listen to some Muddy Waters stuff and some old blues and I'd find the right key and I'd I'd made some noise so the next Friday swings around and I realized once I get to the to the spot that I didn't have a mic stand <laughs> and I didn't have a thing to hold the harmonica so I could play. As I, you're I, setting I, yeah, up for your gig. Yeah. And so I run out <laughs> run down the road, run around the corner, run down to Lynn Street, go to the, the uh guitar. Um same place you bought the yeah, guitar. Yep. Yeah. I run in there and I go, man, you got one of the things that holds a harmonica. He goes, a yoke? I was like, yeah, I need that. And I need a mic stand. You guys got one? He goes, yeah, we just got a used mic stand over there. So, I, you know, 10 bucks for that and eight bucks for the yoke. I'm getting my money out. And he goes, you know how hard it is to play harmonica and guitar at the same time? I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I paid him, got the change, ran like hell, got back and and did the show. And... 
That was Fumbled the first one. A couple, said, a couple days later, I went up to Cedar Rapids and I talked to PJ Harrington. I said, hey, man, um, what's your slowest night of the week? He goes, Wednesdays are pretty bad. I was like, how about, can I come in and play every Wednesday from like six to eight for like 50 bucks? He goes, no, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I'll give you 100. That's what he said? Yeah. Yeah. He goes, wow, because you didn't know, you didn't have any clue what a going rate was, just no. whatever. Just no, I was just trying to create opportunity. Wow, yeah. create it. So that happened, and then where? Um, what? Uh, what venue was that? Checkers Tavern. Okay. Oh yeah. Wow. yeah. Checkers Tavern. I had a, I ended up having a house gig there for seven years. Wow. From yeah, that night. From that night. Yeah. From Wednesday nights. Yeah, every Wednesday, and then uh, went back home and uh, I. Uh, Ginsburg Jewelers, every once in a while, I'd, I'd see music outside, outside of yeah. that place. So I walked into Ginsburg Jewelers. They're ready to sell you some like, diamonds. And I, just, no, no, no. I walked in, I was just like, hey, uh, <laughs> can I play out here? And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> you guys, every once in a while, you let people play out here. Yeah. Can I play out here? And the staff there was just like, uh, uh, can you come back, talk to Mark? Like, sure. <laughs> so I leave. And I hear this person yelling, hey, hey, hey. And I turn around, it's Mark Ginsburg. Mark's just like, when do you want to do it? I'm like, when makes sense? He Today. goes, how about, you know, how about you play right now? And he goes, I'll pay you. Yeah. You know, and, and you set out a tip jar and, you, and it'll be fine. So I did it. And he's standing out there and he's looking at me. He goes, <laughs> he goes how'd you like to do this every Friday? Yes, I would. I'm like, sold. So I got two house gigs going. All of a sudden, now you're you're building you know? that resume up there. So then I got to thinking, what can I do that nobody else is doing? And for some reason, third shifter show jumps oh. into my head. Oh wow! I didn't even think about that. It's like so, I found out a couple of bars that opened at like Green eight a.m. And- well, in, in Iowa City. Oh, okay. I lived in Iowa City, and so I found a couple of spots. I went in, made my made my pitch. One of them said, absolutely not. We've had live music in here before. It was blah, blah, blah. It's too loud. It's this, that, and the other. And another one looked at me and said, I'll ask. And so they asked around, and their patrons were just like, yeah, live music would be great. So next, next house gig was uh, uh, twice a month I'd play a third shifter show. Then I went and set up lunch shows. Yeah. I was doing everything that part-time musicians couldn't do. I wanted to play every place. At times, they couldn't do it because they were at work. Yeah, They'd have to come see me at lunch <laughs> and, and be mad because they couldn't do that. And so there were, there were I, I got, there was one year that I had a 13-week stretch where I played... Four days a week, five shows a day. Jeez, wow. you know, and yeah, that was. But a you're, too you're much. making a career out of it at that point. I mean, I, you're 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 not going back. I, listen, all I all I saw it as was the hustle. Yeah, as you many know, as you can do is as much money as you can make. And I I was young and I still had the mindset. I'm awake. Someone should pay me for this. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm awake. What else am I going to do? 
<laughs> so, you know, playing music was fun. Playing music wasn't really work. It was just, and I was still learning. I was yeah, excited it was, about it. Was it was a paid practice for you is what it yeah. was. And so I'd play, I'd, I'd do the third shifter show, and then I'd go do lunch. Then I'd do an early happy hour in one spot, and then happy hour in another, and then I'd get another show <laughs> late at night. And I'm like, game on. This is beautiful. How wonderful is this? You're making money. And I got folks looking at me going, man, uh, that's a long, that's a lot of singing. That's a long day. It's like, how long was your work day? Right. When I break down the playtime hourly, I just still played for seven and a half hours. It's still not a full-time job, but it's, it's no different than what anybody else was doing in my head. It was just the hustle. It was what I needed to do in order to, to take care of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, it was just, and, and it, for me, it's a learning process. But there's, you know, one thing that I learned inside of that whole time is that there's no substitute for stage time. You know, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't learn how to, you don't just one, wake up one day and just be like, oh, I can really connect with this audience. You got to learn. You got to go through the bad moments, don't you? Well, you know, I did a show. I opened for this dude named David Honeyboy Edwards. Mr. Edwards was... I want to say 79 at the time. Wow. He was one of the last people to see Robert Johnson alive. Really? Robert Johnson dated his sister. <laughs> and he was, I want to say he said he was like nine or 10 years old. Wow. You know, and he remembers Robert yeah. Johnson at yeah. his house. And I opened for him. And it was early, it was like maybe a couple weeks into me doing solo work. And I had crickets. Yeah. No response from the audience. It was, like, it was at the wheel room at the university. Okay. And people were just looking at me like, what just happened? And I I was like, uh, thank you. And I'm walking off the stage, and Mr. Edwards was at the bottom of the stairs, and he looked up at me smiling, and he waited until I looked him in the eye, and he said, I'll never forget this. He said, boy, if you play for applause, that's all you're going to ever get. Wow. You did just fine. I said, thank you, and I walked over, and I sat down, and he walked on stage, and I thought about what he said a little bit more. <laughs> I got up, and I walked back on stage, and I waited for him to look at me, and I said, thank you. He goes, boy, you're you going to be all right. You're going to be just fine. Yeah. Wow, that's that's incredible. And But it did make me realize, you know, from this business, you can get anything that you want. Yeah. If you think you're going to meet some girls, you're going to meet them. <laughs> if you think you're going to get free drinks, free food, maybe travel a little bit, you'll get all yeah. of that. You know, but is there something more? You know, is there something more to what it is that you're doing? Something that's connected to your soul. And, 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 and that's a place that I'm trying to get to. That's the, the thing that I'm trying to put out is that this is, this is more than just something I do. This is a part yeah, this of, is, this this is part is of who me. I am. This yeah. is all I have, right? Yeah. 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 You know, the emotional part of the blues is the thing that makes it so that it connects. That's the thing that connects yeah. it from one, one person to the next. That's the thing that people keep coming back to that they can't put their finger right. on and, and just say every time, this is why I love the blues. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that there's songwriters and poets and and visual artists, and it's because they can do something special by bending light or making air move that other folks can't do. Mm-hmm. Like putting words in an order that <laughs> make so much sense that it makes your world a clearer picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that those people get to do that. Yeah. 
It's the reason that everybody's not able to. Correct. Yeah. You know, and it's because it, you, you, there's got to be something special that allows you to be that connected. Now, I always tell folks, you know, everybody's given a gift. You know, everybody's got that thing that they can do, but the opportunity to share it yeah. is a blessing. I don't care what what deity you pray to, whatever. At the end of the day, those things that are special to you, you say thanks to that entity yeah. for it. Oh, yeah. You know, you always have to respect the blessing. Nobody ever has to say, I want to hear you move air. Because that's what I'm selling. Yeah. That's all you're selling, right? Yeah. You're selling that seven hour you're selling that seven hour drive in the car from midnight to yeah. seven AM. Yeah, and I want I, you know, your your air is man, I, I love the way you move air. That's all you're hearing. That's really that's really what it is, right? Yeah. And so you know, I I always tell folks, you know, Folks ask me, so what do you do? I was like, I'm a musician, a professional noisemaker sometimes. I tell them. <laughs> and they go, and then somebody will come, oh, that noise you make, is, it's, it's special, it's music. It's, it's like, not until it hits you in the right spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until it hits you in the right spot, it's just noise. And then all of a sudden, that one moment. Yeah, well, that's, that's how somebody's parent can tell them to turn that noise off when that noise is your world. Yeah. That noise is saying everything that's bouncing around in your head. And it sounds like racket to somebody else. Racket to your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You it's know? Very true. I mean, rap right now. Yeah. I can't stand any of it. Not that I don't like rap. I love rap. But modern day, current rap. But that mumble stuff yeah. that they're doing right now. But it's moving somebody, isn't it? Yes. Clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you can't know? be mad at it, right? You know, you you know I, I, I just I, I look at it and I say, you know, it's not something I'm going to invest in. Right. It's not something I'm going to encourage. No. You know, but to each his own. But if you like that, you go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were, as you were playing, um, you're learning how to play the guitar. You're getting stage time. People are starting to know who you are at this point. You're having regular gigs. Are you are you writing music at all yet? Oh, or, yeah. yeah. I started day one. I'm, uh, you know, that's it's, it's weird, you know. I've always had an affinity for storytelling and to me that's a song you know I'm right. a big Bill Withers fan yeah and he told stories so good that even when he's talking about his most intimate moments of his life it applies to yours right that connection right <laughs> this is a specific yeah. moment for him grandma's hands Grandma's hands is is him writing about his grandmother and his experience with his grandmother but it's everybody else's too, you know. And that, that that to me, that's the. I got the opportunity to go out to L.A. and meet him, sit and talk with him. The Withers. And, yeah. yeah, and that was the thing that I, I took away from that is that, you know, he's got this wisdom that comes from paying attention. It's not so much that he lived every moment. That's to be lived. Yeah. But he's paid attention to every moment that he's yeah. lived. You know? And that's the lesson that I took away from that meeting is pay attention. Yeah. You know, the songs happen every day. Yeah. So if you, you know, you, you just, you'll, you'll see the story. You'll hear, yeah. the, you'll hear the moment. You'll, you'll know that thing. You know, I'm working on a song right now that talks about 
you know, I've I've gone into this, you know, the 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 political climate that we're in has gotten everybody, you know, yep. almost almost going back to being folk singers. Yeah, it's very true. You know, and and so you know, there's a couple of songs that bounce around. You know, the one thing that I've realized is that as a society, there's there's one thing that we haven't tried to try and end all the debates, and that's being peaceful. Loving one another and trying to gain some understanding. It's weird how to that each just, other. The, like that's never that's, an option, right? That's the thing that we've not tried. <clears throat> but it's never on the table, is it? Yeah, we fought each other. We've argued. We've had debates. We've had uh, these sessions of brainstorm and these moments of clarity. And we've sent police in and we've sent the troops out. And you know, we've built walls. We've isolated ourselves. We've we've. Uh, uh, people have killed their own families. <laughs> We've done just about everything else to try and, you know, set ourselves on fire, you know. And But we haven't just looked across the way and said, you know what, I love you. Hey, what, what, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Looked out for one another. We've never done that, you know. And so this, I'm right, I'm working on a song that, that yeah, says, so you know, trying, why not try this? Yeah. You know, I mean, trying to put I, that into words. Yeah, right? well, I mean, you know, it's not like it hasn't been tried before. I mean, you know, the Beatles put some stuff yep. out like that. You know, um, you know, there's been a lot of folks that have put out those kinds of vibes before. You know, um, Marvin Gaye asked a question a long time ago, what's going on? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> uh, Stevie Wonder does it every album he's got. He throws it out there. You know, Prince has done some things yeah. in that vein. Michael yep. Jackson. You yep. know, I mean, it's 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 come up, but everybody about everybody does this. Oh, that's nice, and then turns back, and 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 does what they've been yeah. doing. And um, you know, at some point in time, it's you know, the sparks gotta Something's catch. Got, yeah. You know, another song that I'm working on is one of the things that I've noticed is that. You had folks in our history, folks like Mother Teresa, uh, Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King. You had these these, these people um, that have created a sense of unity that yeah. went worldwide. I mean, oh, yeah. Couldn't help. All they had was newspaper, radio. Right. Think about that. And television. And word of mouth. And word of mouth. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> instantly, any message can be sent around the world. Instantly. Everybody, everybody can know about it instantly. But for some reason, there's not another Dr. King. For some reason, there's not another Mother Teresa. For some reason, there's not... Is that because the pool size is so big now? I mean, you know, it felt like... I don't think so. I think what it is is that that people realize that in order to prove that you believe in something, you really have to be willing to give your life for it. And everybody's cool with stuff (laughs) to that point. And then it's like, okay, (laughs) hold on. I like my life, man. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even so much that life. It's the stuff. I just like my things. Yeah, stuff. it's yeah. the stuff. You know, because I know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm guilty of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we are, man. So it, it, there's a song that, I've, that I'm working on. It's called Must We Call Him From The Grave. 
you know, those people that make us stand up and look in the mirror enough to realize that it's an us versus us thing, not an us versus them thing, yep. you know, because that's what all of those folks kind of did. Yeah. You know, and when us versus us comes into play, then we start looking at each other to the point where we go, wait a second. You're you're not really trying to be a part of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. You're, yeah, wait a second. It's it's us versus us. We, you know, we got we got people with nickels fighting over you know making people fight over pennies. Yeah. People with dimes making people fight over nickels. Yeah. Yeah. You it know, just keeps going. At every you know, level. you put you can put as many zeros on the backside as you want to. That's essentially what we're doing to yeah. each other. And that's what, you know, we call it in the streets, they call it petty crime. You know, on Wall Street, they call it a good deal. Yeah. You know, tough business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, people are losing their lives about it every day. Yep. You know, and, you know, when we figure out the best stuff to have is the stuff that we can make. You know, not just the fact that there's a whole bunch of stuff over there that we can buy. Yeah. You know, I think about, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents. Because you know, it's weird, you know, and I'd, I'd have these weird thoughts because I drive a lot. And I, <laughs> and, and I used to travel alone all the time, man, so I, 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 I jumped in my head. Yeah. But, you know, it's like... My mom's white, my dad's black. It was legal in the state of Iowa for my parents to marry when they got married, so they had to elope to Minnesota. It was illegal. It was illegal, all right? Wow. And uh, even when they did get married in Minnesota, it wasn't for sure that their marriage would be considered recognized recognized legal in Iowa, but changed shortly after. Right. So they ended up being cool. But it made me realize that not my father, not my grandfather, but my great-grandfather was a slave. Yeah. Not that far back. It's only three generations. Yeah. So when folks look at you and say, that was so long ago. <laughs> Wait, was it though? It's like, no. So you said, you said great, you said great <laughs> grandfather? Yeah. So yeah, like I actually knew, I actually knew one of my great grandparents, like alive in the flesh. Yeah. You know, like, like there she is. I knew her for, Six, seven years of my life, you know, like that's how not far away that was. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so we don't think of how, you know, you th- generationally, you know, it goes back so much further. It goes back yeah. so much further yeah. in our country, you know, um, to think that at the end of it, wasn't so far ago the idea of what people are talking about you know the idea of let's say that your great-grandfather bought a parcel of land to farm yep okay he farmed it during the time he left it to your grandfather and your grandfather added another parcel of land to it yep he passed away. He has. He gives that to your dad. You know, leaves it to your dad. Your dad takes it, sells it, and goes and opens up a business. That business is running, gets to be successful, and your dad passes away, leaves it to you. Yep. Okay. 
that's a possibility. That scenario is a possibility. Yeah. In one culture specific, <laughs> it's really not that much of a possibility. Yeah. It's really not. There's no uh, dreams just get cut off right here, right? Well, you know, not only, you know, yeah, like I said, I, I'm a history guy. I do a blues in the schools program, and in the blues in the schools program, you've got to do a lot of research on, you know, just the history of the country. Factual history, yeah. too, right? And so you just run into this, like, stuff <laughs> that, like, for me, it wasn't taught. No, of course, definitely not. You know, like we spend very little time talking about uh, things like, uh, uh, oh, what they call it, uh, Reconstruction, the Reconstruction period after the Civil War. Reconstruction was the only time in our country's history that we actually had equal rights. Yeah. For everyone. And then they created, then they switched back to, they switched to Jim Crow laws. There was a 50-50 split of black representatives in the House and Senate during Reconstruction. One year after Jim Crow, there were two. Really? Just immediately that quick, right? Yeah. And so... When people talk about the concept of systematic things, it's it it, it, it it's really a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you realize that things like people throw out the term racist and racism all the time. Yeah. Racism is the system. Yeah, bigotry is the action. There you go. That everybody shows. Yeah. You know, everybody has bigotry about them. They are bigoted about something. Something. You know, yep. I, I possess it, and I, I and I try to be conscious yeah. of it so that I don't display it. Of course, but that doesn't stop it from it's being still in there, there, right? You know, just the fact that I've got to be conscious about it means that it's inside. So, do you take it? <laughs> do you take it on? Do you take it as a responsibility of you being an artist and being a musician and a songwriter to then? to transfer these things you know into song? Uh, do, you, do you feel like art is one of the ways that people will really take on some of this knowledge? It always has been. Yeah. You know, art has always been the, the window that folks can look into and look out of, you know, depending on the perspective they want it to take. Take you wherever you want to go. Yeah, yeah. you know, you can, if, you're not, if you're not safe enough to take it in, then you can look in yeah. and be on that side and look in. But if you really want to get into it, you step in the room with the artist and you look out and you start to see what it yeah. is they see, Yeah, you know, through the music. You know, you hear it from out here. You experience it from stepping yeah. inside the room, you know. And it's the same, to me, it's the same thing with, with visual art. Yeah, oh yeah. We, we talk you know? all the time that movies and music work so well together, you know, film and music. And, and then when you take those art forms and you put them together and that perfect scene, perfect film moment with a perfect score, you're just, yeah. it takes you, it takes yeah. you somewhere else. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the perfect movie. It just no. has to be that perfect that moment. moment. Yeah. yeah. That somebody just, they saw it in their brain and they made it happen. Yeah. Black snake moon is that to me. I, I never saw Black Snake Moan. Tell you, you see that? Uh-uh. I'm telling Too bad you, Sean man, Pryor's it's, not here. It's, it's it's it is so worth it just to check it out. I mean, it's, there's it'll, you'll Wasn't be that, uh, like Christina Ricci. 
Yeah. I don't want to say it's her and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, okay. I know what you're talking about. And there's just some moments in there that are just, I mean, for me, it, it it's almost hypnotic. Yeah. You know, the the way they use the music and the and like everything is happening and you start to see these different components, but when them when the music takes over the scene. Yep. Those are the scenes yeah. that are powerful to me. Yeah. Now, there's, you know, Christina Ricci's cute. <laughs> no, don't take, the, you know, take this away. From don't her. take that away from her. But this, the, those moments within it that that are driven with the music. You know, there's a yeah. couple of scenes that are driven by the music, and they're awesome. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's those are the ones that stick in my head. Right. Well, I got some questions for you, and I know that you, I don't know if you're, if you've really kept on, we asked this, uh, if you listen to any of these podcast episodes, you said no, and that's fine, you can totally catch up on all 30 on your next trip, man. (laughs) There's some good stuff, we've been interviewing such great local talent around here, but the one thing that seems to be the issue with our local scene, our local music community, is there's, uh, there's been a divide put in place. And I don't know if this is just recently or if this has always been this way, because you've been around for a long time. I'd love to know. But um, there's this divide going on between people that are doing the cover cover songs, the tribute bands, recreating music that's already there versus the, the people that are that are the artists that are writing the original music and trying to, I mean, you do both. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things where the, the, the music world is full of what I call performing artists and recording artists. You know, the one thing that musicians forget about is that music is a deeper business than just the performance, all right? So, if you are an artist who is doing your own music and you're going into a venue that has just featured a a group that does all cover music or tribute music, they focus on that one group, and that business has always been a supporter of live music, and they get this, one thing that's being hardcore hammered right now because the industry has changed is making venues pay their ASCAP and BMI things. Well, if I'm coming in and I'm playing original music, I can do that anywhere. But as soon as somebody comes in and plays all covers all night and those lawyers find out about it, that venue is going to get slapped with a bill of anywhere from a few hundred to tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. All right? Most of the time, the venue chooses to stop doing music. And, yeah. Which makes me unemployed. Yeah. For those cover bands, generally, they go to their day job, and then they have a meeting, <laughs> and they decide, what's our next move? You know? Didn't really mean for that to happen. What's our next move? Yeah. I've got to convince somebody else who's gotten a phone call from this venue. Yeah, to say, watch to, out. To say, watch out. When I show up to say, can I play here? They're looking at me going, nope. I don't want that fine. I don't want that fine, you know? Yeah. And so those kinds of things are real. Now, what I'm starting to find out is if I do 
a, if I do a show and I play all my own music, because I am an ASCAP uh, or BMI artist, you know, because I'm signed on with them, I can submit my playlist to them. And because the venue, has, if the venue has paid those fees, mm-hmm. I can get you actually an get additional paid for check. Playing your music, it's not a whole bunch, but yeah. I, I get I get another check. Wow! Because I played my music at their club. Wow! All right. If you submit, if a, if, a, if a cover band submits their playlist, those bands, yeah, they all get they get their their their, their royalty. Their royalty. Yeah. However, if no playlist is submitted, those lawyers just disperse that money to really? the top forty. Just in no whatever, whoever the top forty is, here Poof. you go. Really? Yeah. So where do you submit this to? Um, just depends on uh, whether you're registered with ASCAP or BMI. So you as a you as an artist are personally registered with ASCAP BMI. And is that because you have I've got published music? music? Yes. Okay. Yeah, published so and copyrighted music. If I'm just a cover band that has no published or copyright music, I, I'm not able to. You're not, you're not able to draw additional income, right? From not playing your own music. That's true. Okay. So, but you are able <laughs> to create a deeper expense, yeah, for the venue, yeah, for not playing your own music. That's very true. And so. What it does is it it scares off some of the venues, right. and it brings more attention to an area that used to be live venue rich. Yeah. Do you think Do you think that the the local uh, area has changed as far as um, how many people are out at, attending shows? How much live music is out there? Absolutely, because because of drunk driving laws yeah. and all of those kinds of things, people are they no longer follow bands. They don't follow their favorite artists. They go to the venue that they know the safe route home from. Closest home, closest to home, safe safe route, route home. home. And there's no point in trying to close a bar with music anymore. Yeah, the late night concept. When it hits, I learned. Really. I learned in the early '90s, the shift change at the police station is ten thirty. Okay. So that's about when. That's when everybody leaves. Really. If you take a set break between ten thirty and eleven o'clock, your audience is gone. Wow. And then you get this influx of people that plan to close this bar. They could give a damn whether. Yeah, they, they don't care. Yeah, whatever. They're not about you. No. So it makes a lot more sense to what a bar needs is three hours of peak business. Yeah. Just three the hours of peak business. Most people possible peak business during six that time. o'clock to nine o'clock. Yeah. Perfect time to have live music. Yeah. And then and then from there on out, people come, spend money on a jukebox, whatever. Yeah. Show up, have some drinks. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that that's changed though, or do you think it's always been that way? Uh, no, it's, it's changed. Since the laws have changed. It's changed. Because now, and, and here's the thing. This is the thing that, and it bothers me. Um, police fines are a line item in municipal budgets. So it means the income from fines and tickets is X million dollars. Mm-hmm. Which means based on the number of they say that the police officers will tell you up and down, we don't have a quota. 
We don't. Yeah. But if I've put a budget that says there's a million dollars it needs, each officer knows that they need to raise a certain certain amount of, of money to justify their it's not a quota their but, job no yeah, yeah exactly but you know that number yeah they i'm sure they got they, they, bean counters that make sure they know that number and if you're responsible for it you're just doing your job right that's really all you're doing yeah but the probability that you're going to catch that soccer mom that had a, third, a, day a third glass of wine. Yeah, right. And then be cool to her. Yeah. Isn't going to exist right. when you know that that's three grand. And that's that's getting you closer to the to your imaginary Absolutely. little line item. I can't quota. just get her home safely. Right. Yeah, that, that's I I didn't think about that really as far as the the proximity effect of where your closest live music is. But you're right. You don't tend to see that many people. If if these people usually come see your show at said bar, they may not come see you at the other bar, right? Nope. Yeah, that's why you. That's to hear venues, especially in a in a place like Cedar Rapids, talk about oh you're oversaturating the market. Not at all. Okay, because so, yeah. I don't see this person at this venue, at that venue, at this other venue. Okay, they're not following me. They're coming to your venue. Now, what I just did by coming into your venue, it's I call it the twenty dollar effect. Right, I got this one person to come in here on this one day that I was playing and spend twenty dollars. Now, if they come in here on a day and and your service was really good, and they mentioned that to me. Now, because they liked your service, they come back again when I'm not playing and spend another twenty dollars. Right, all they have to do that all they all you have to do is convince them fifty times during a year. To choose their place yeah. versus someplace else, and they've handed you a thousand dollars. Now, if I can get a hundred other people do that yeah. to do that, I've made a hundred thousand dollar difference in your business. Yeah, this is a mutual relationship now. Your business ain't gonna make me a hundred thousand dollars. No, you know, but I have the potential of doing that for you. Yeah. So if I do that. And I do that consistently. Don't look at me and say, this is what we pay our bands. Because <laughs> not every band does that. Not every band just cares. No. You know? I've been harping that forever, man. Well, I just, you know, I, I had this conversation with a bar owner a bunch of years ago, and I got my point across. We talked about it, and talked about he wanted me to come play. Go, man, you're the best. You're the best. I've never seen anybody do as good as you, man. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> what night do you want? I want you on Friday night. You know, I pay my bands $250. I said, okay. What are you going to pay me? I looked up at the top, and I said, I'll take, let's, uh, let's see, let's with a drink, man. Let me get, let's get two shots of that bourbon. Oh, man, that's, that stuff's like uh, $60 a shot. I was like, uh-uh, it's $4. That's what I pay for my bourbon. Oh, that's incredible. And he looked at me, and I looked at him with my head to the side, and I kept looking at the bottle. And he looked at me and goes, oh. oh. <laughs> I was like, don't tell me I'm the best, and then right. hand me the same money that you'd hand somebody right. that you'll never have back in here because they were that bad. Right. This is what you pay your bands. Yeah. That's not who I'm here to negotiate for. Bands. Yeah. I'm not here to negotiate for them. Right. You know, everything should be based on your resume. Yeah. 
you know, not necessarily what I've gotten paid before, but what I've done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the money takes the money takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, the, the money takes care. I, you know, I, if I was concerned about how much money I was make making, I'd be doing something else. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, but again. Evidently, and it's not my call, but evidently I move air pretty uniquely. Yeah, you do. And because I move air uniquely, that means that there are very few other people that move air like I do. So and so I have a specific skill. It's kind of like being a specialized doctor. It's kind of like being a specialized mechanic. Kind of like being a specialized lawyer. It's kind of like that. Not exactly the same because there's certain things that are on the line. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to help your soul feel a little better. Yeah. You know, if I do my job right, whatever was bothering you before you walked through the doors, when you walk out the door, you ain't thinking about it right now. I might not have fixed it, but you feel better. That's what I do. Now, if I do that a little differently or a little better than somebody else, that's a particular set of skills that has a particular value that's a little bit better than what we pay our bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really, I'm really happy you said that because we've harped on that for so long about there's no, there's no equality act among musicians and bands of like this is what everyone gets paid. I mean, well, that's, you, you, you earn what you earn. That's the, that's what the cover charge used to stand, yeah, right. stand out, and um, the venues got so concerned that well, six people aren't coming in here and buying old our old beer. Yeah, and it's like, nah, man, understand. Those six people that were so cheap, they were so broke that they didn't want to spend the $5 to walk through the door. Right. They're not going to spend that on your beer, man. Yeah. Their first question was going to be, what's the special? Yes. is exactly what that question was. Or give me the cheapest thing you got, as strong as you can pour it, and here's a $2 tip. Yeah. And your bartender's going to do that for them. Yeah. Because they need that $2 too. Yeah. Or you can have, you know, instead of having a hundred folks in here where sixty percent of them aren't really drinking anything that they got that you got to reach up for. Yep. You might only have forty people in here, but your bartender's shoulders are sore because mm-hmm. that's all they've been doing all night long. Yeah, is reaching up off of that shelf, getting premium pours. <laughs> Everybody's happy about that. You know, it's a whole different till. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree, man. And and I got I mean, I could sit here and talk for hours with you, man. You're you've you've got so much wisdom and I respect everything you have to say. In closing, I'd like to know this this podcast is for us musicians. It's it's a way to drop knowledge like you have on everyone else that maybe doesn't have a chance to sit down and talk to you. It's to better this community to make it better, to make more people go out and see live music, make musicians smarter. In closing, what what's what's one thing you, you want your fellow musicians around here that 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 are that are trying to make a, a, a they're either trying to have fun, they're trying to make a living out of this. What how, how do we make this better? How do we make more people come out and see music and and appreciate this great art that we love you know, so much? Promote everyone. Yeah. You know, prom- promote it. You know, what we're offering, what we are, we, we, we create a culture. You know, when people talk about the community being cool, what's cool about the community is the stuff going on. We're a big part of what's going on in the community. You know, um, 
there are very few jobs where you have to put in the amount of time that it takes to be really good at what you do that people encourage folks to just come off the street and obliterate what you went to school for yeah. outside of doing taxes. That's the one that jumps into my head all the time. <laughs> you know, there's so many great accountants out there that are like, really? Uh, really? You know? TurboTax? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, you think about it, you know, there's there's a lot of artists that have put a lot of years, a lot of sweat and tears. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot more effort to, you know, had I been a much younger person, and gotten the accolades that I got, won the International Blues Challenge, be named top harmonica player, be named most promising guitarist, you know, acoustic guitarist. Had I been a younger man doing those things, I don't know that it would have mattered as much. Right. You know, I'm 51 years old, and I've been doing this for sneaking up on 30 years. And everybody's in my neighborhood has said, man, you're really good. Right now, the world is looking at me and saying, you're kind of special. Taking that long to, to get there for the world, right? I'm appreciating it. I'm appreciative of this moment because I know it doesn't have to exist. Correct. I absolutely know that not one person in France has to say, man, come over, come over here. Not one person in the Netherlands has to say, man, we, we got to get you over here. Not one person in Illinois, San Francisco, Portland, New York, Atlanta, Texas, not one person, any place. You're not owed that, right? No. But I got strangers right now that are looking at what I do and inviting me to do it. Yeah. To everybody that's out there, that number one, don't just do this because you can if you play for applause, that's all you're going to ever get. You know, it comes down to that. Don't just do a song because you know the words. Do it because it connects to your life. And then prove it. Yeah. When you give it Live. back. Yeah. You know, um, don't look at the venue and say, oh, man, so-and-so is charging you this much. I'll do it for this. Yeah. You know, because you got your day job. You know, very true. understand, I can't pay my electric bill with free beer. <laughs> exposure. Can you pay yeah. your electrical bill with exposure? Yeah. When I want exposure, <laughs> when I want exposure, when Kevin, when Kevin Burt needs exposure, y'all will see me running down the interstate. <laughs> exposing? Naked. Just, Naked, maybe maybe covered, maybe I might paint some polka dots on me, something, yeah. you know, and carry a unicorn banner, something. <laughs> but that'll be some exposure. That'll be everywhere, that's, you know. That's great. That's that will that, make me famous, you, you know. Um, you know, true exposure is the opportunity to to go into a new market and open for somebody who's going to fill Correct. a room. Yeah, that's exposure. That's exposure. Playing in your neighborhood for free for a charity event or something, you know, yeah, that's never exposure. Now, you know, and this is, you know, this is my thing. If it's valuable enough to the charitable charitable organization, if they think it's valuable enough to have entertainment, then it has to have value to them too. Yeah, 
even if it's just in token. Yeah. You know, we don't have much, but here's a hundred bucks. That's a payment. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. You know, y'all thought enough of what I do for me. And what you can bring now, to the event. Whether or not I have a connection with this event no. or with this entity or not, whether I believe in it or not, they believe enough in me that they want me there. Yeah. You know, I'm getting approached left and right by political always. candidates. Yeah, always. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah. And when I look at them and tell them, this is what, this is my political candidate price. They're like, uh, I'm like, I know what y'all pay for advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so know? do you want me or not? <laughs> you know, don't say you ain't got the budget. <laughs> yeah. You work you got the budget. You know, it's like, once again, y'all aren't reaching down behind the bar. You're reaching up. Yep. And I'm not saying I'm way at the top, but I'm, you know, you know yeah. what you know what they call well liquor, well liquor? Why? It's because when you ask the bartender what it is, they look at you and go, well. <laughs> <laughs> that, is per- that is the perfect ending right there, my friend. <laughs> this thing is over. Kevin, I got to be honest, man. We are, we are lucky to have you in this area, and yeah. I'm so proud of all the accolades you're getting and the tours you're going on. Um, man, thank dude, you. Dude, I mean, yeah. you're, you're killing it. And, and when I was, what was that, uh, 20, almost 19 years ago when I got to play tambourine with you, man, I knew you had something special then too. So, so thanks for joining us, buddy. Good luck here. Man, the rest thank of you summer, so much. Thanks. Right. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Bye. Big love.